2: Today we are kicking off a series called Now and Forever. Somebody say, Now and Forever. So I want you to turn your attention to the screen as we follow through this dramatic episode that's going to help bring some context to this series, Now and Forever. Check this out.
0: Welcome to Now and Forever, the most dramatically dramatic daytime drama you'll see this year. In this week's episode, our story begins with Joy Stephanopoulos, a new employee at the office of Dr. Victor Victor, DDS. Joy is determined to become something great in this office, but just how far is she willing to go to achieve her dreams?
1: Is anyone here? Hey, I'll be right with you. Joy, if I am interrupted one more time, I'm gonna scream.
3: Well, I mean, we could trade jobs because I've been cleaning food out of people's teeth all morning. That last patient's breath was so bad, I, I really thought I needed a gas mask. It was disgusting. <laughs>
2: Oh, Joy, that's not the stench of your patient's bad breath. It's actually the stench of your career as a hygienist. (laughs) Here's some advice though. Maybe if you taught them how to brush and floss properly, you would not have to work so hard when they get here. But then again, you're only a second hygienist, and it takes years to learn the stuff that I've learned as a, you know, first hygienist.
1: Seriously, Diago? Joy might be new around here, but you don't need to be picking on her like that. If you ask me, she's been doing a great job and really getting the hang of things. Hello? Is anybody working here? Just a minute. For real just call it, okay? I'm not being mean to her.
2: I'm actually looking out for her. Maybe this just isn't your best career choice. There's actually an animal shelter down the street and maybe you'll do a better job of cleaning dog's teeth rather than people's teeth. <laughs>
3: Oh, dog's teeth. (laughs) I cannot stand Diago. I've been here for three months, diligently doing my job, and all he does is run me down. I put up with cavities, whiny kids, rudeness, and I put my hands in all kind of nasty mouths, and still Diago is the only person that Dr. Victor ever recognizes. I mean, seriously, what do I have to do to get a thank you around here? But you know what? It's fine, because one day, I'm gonna be the first hygienist, and then I won't ever have to see Diago's face ever again. I am over it. He needs to go. Yeah, well, how are we gonna get rid of him? He's Dr. Victor's best friend, and he can do no wrong.
1: We're not gonna get rid of him. Dr. Victor is. (laughs) Seriously, how? What if we make Dr. Victor think that Diago hasn't exactly been honest with him, where Dr. Victor thinks that Diago's been stealing
3: Okay, Dr. Victor is
1: never gonna believe that. He's his best friend. Come on, it would be so easy. All those free toothbrushes, we could just stuff them in Diago's bag, make him think that he's been selling them on eBay. <gasps> no. Dr. Victor would be crushed. Then you know what would happen? You would be first hygienist. What do you think about that? I don't really want Victor to be hurt in all of this. Joy, you wanna be first hygienist, don't you? These are desperate times, and they call for desperate measures.
0: Can someone just come and give me some help,
1: please? Ma'am, it's called a waiting room for a reason. I'm coming.
3: Of course I want to be first hygienist, but is it worth hurting Victor Victor?
0: Joy, you're exactly the girl I've been looking for.
3: Really? You've been looking specifically for me?
0: Yeah, have you seen Olivia?
3: Oh, uh, yeah, she just went to help a new patient.
0: Great, that's exactly what I needed her for.
3: Oh, Victor, Victor. If only I was just the girl you were looking for. I've been working hard this whole time, but it's not just to be first hygienist. I want you to notice me. And I know if you saw me and my skills that we would be together forever in dental-themed matrimony. I'm so sorry. I don't want to hurt you, but I have to, so that out of your brokenness you can see that I'm the right one for you. Until then, I'll just have to admire you from afar.
0: Will Olivia's villainous scheme to frame Diago be successful? Will Joy ever confess her love for Victor? Will Jamie ever get her teeth cleaned? Find out in next week's episode of Now and Forever.
2: Come on, put your hands together. <laughs> oh, nothing like a little drama mixed with a little romance mixed with a little sabotage. We're going to have fun over the next five weeks, and we're going to take a look at the life of Joy and walk with her through her experiences to really understand seasons. Everybody say seasons. This is a series where we identify different seasons that we're in. And our staff, our team has had so much fun putting this together. We couldn't wait to to show this today. I encourage you, don't miss a single Sunday for the next five weeks as we we dive in and we look at seasons of our soul, different experiences in life. In fact, if some of you, if you've ever worked with a jerk, don't miss a single Sunday. We're going to help you deal with the drama in your life. How many have enough drama? How many need to, 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 to get some context in sorting through some of that drama? Church is for you. And so uh, just excited about this series. And really what we're going to do is, and, I, and this installment, we're going to talk about a specific season called Waiting waiting A season where maybe you feel like there's some things that are happening in your heart, in your soul, some dreams and visions that you have, but you don't see it play out in your life like you want. Have you ever felt like maybe you've been on a shelf just collecting dust, or maybe you're doing the right thing, but you don't see any good things happening in your life? You know, I've discovered this. Life is marked by seasons, and it's important that you, first of all, recognize the season that you're in. After you recognize it, then you've got to embrace the season that you're in. And then once you embrace that, then you learn the lessons that God's trying to teach you along the way. Can I have a good amen? How many of you know you can't fight the seasons? You know, you've got to identify, okay, this is the time frame. This is the experience. This is where I am. Now, God, what is it that you're saying to me? We want to look at a, a waiting season. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 16. And what we're going to do, we're going to run this drama and parallel this with the life of David, one of my all-time favorite characters in the Old Testament. So much to unpack, so many life lessons, and I think this is going to help us. We're going to look at David's life, and in fact, I want to read a single verse to you, and I want you to pay attention. This verse is chock full. One verse A couple of phrases put together really is the sum total of about 15 years, okay? Sometimes we'll read the Bible. I'll go from one verse to the next verse or one chapter to the next chapter, and I do it in a matter of moments, but I don't realize that years have taken place from one verse to the next verse. This verse, uh, really, it wraps its arms around 15 years of David's experience, and we're going to see how David handled waiting a waiting period. Do you know the average person will spend five years waiting in lines? And that's just to get from Prairieville to Baton Rouge at eight (laughs) o'clock Monday morning. (laughs) Six months at traffic lights, we'll wait. Uh, some, Some of us are waiting to graduate. Some of you are waiting to get married. Some of you are waiting to have kids or waiting for that job promotion. I know a lot of people are waiting for their house to dry out are waiting for an adjuster to come, waiting for FEMA to process paperwork, waiting, waiting, waiting. I don't know if you send text messages. How many of you you like to text? How many of you will send a text and you know it goes through because that other person is reading it. You can see the little bubbles, you know the little bubble thing? And then that bubble thing goes away and you're like, wait a second, where'd you go? I know you read my text, waiting for you to respond. So much of life is spent in waiting, but it's not necessarily the waiting but what you do while you wait. Many of us know David as one of the greatest kings of Israel. But what we don't realize is before he ever became king, he spent years in obscurity as a young man tending his father's sheep. This is a verse that I think is going to help us when, when we consider what we're waiting for and what God is doing while we wait. I think this verse will talk to us. First Samuel 16, verse 18. The Bible says this. One of the servants said to Saul, now Saul was king of Israel at the time. Saul was troubled, and this servant had an idea that, hey, every time th- this, this troubling spirit comes over Saul, I've got an idea. How about we do this? One of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem is a talented harp player. N- not only that, he's a brave warrior, a man of war, and he has good judgment. He's also a, fine, a fine-looking young man, and the Lord is with him. You see, Saul's servant has an idea. Let's send for this young man to play the harp. Interesting how he says one of. Somebody say one of. One of of Jesse's sons. It's it's amazing to me how David's name is not even mentioned in this verse. But it's simply, hey, one of. Have you ever been at a season in your life where you felt like you were just one of? Nothing significant. Nobody knows who you are. Maybe you feel overlooked, nothing special, nothing unique, just another face in the crowd. One of Jesse's sons. Well, we're going to find out about this son. In fact, in this verse, I think it's going to give us a template of what to do when you feel like nothing's happening in your life. When you feel like you're, you've got a great promise and a great purpose and, and you sense destiny in your soul, but you don't see, see anything play out in front of you. I want you to read this with me again. One of the servants said to Saul, Saul, One of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem, notice this, is a talented harp player. Not only that, he is a brave warrior, a man of war. He has good judgment. He's also a fine-looking young man, and the Lord is with him. If you're taking notes, I want you to write a few thoughts down. And the first is, here's what to do if you're in a waiting season. Number one, discover and develop your gifts. The Bible says he was a talented harp player. If you're in a waiting season, it's interesting to me. Saul had a need, David had a gift, and that gift opened up a door of opportunity for him. When you're in a waiting season, sometimes it's difficult to see anything happening around you, and what God wants you to do is pay attention to what's happening inside of you. Can I have a good amen? I think this is huge. Don't neglect Today's responsibility while waiting for tomorrow's opportunity. Sometimes we sit and we wait and we're thinking, when is it going to be my turn? When am I going to have my chance? Where's my big break? And God's saying, don't don't worry about what you see or what you don't see happening around you. Discover what it is that I am doing in you. Saul had a need. David had a gift. Here was a kingdom opportunity. And I think because sometimes if you're like me, I've gone through seasons where I just felt I was struggling trying to make something happen. Don't see a whole lot of things happening. And my question is, Lord, what is it that you're doing in me? You know what I've discovered about God? God is always doing more than you think he is. Just because you don't see it with your natural eye doesn't mean nothing's happening. In fact, if you're a parent, I think you'll, you'll understand this picture. How many of you have small kids at your house? You're raising little ones. Okay, how many of you would agree that the volume, the decibel level in your home when small kids are around? How many knows that's at an all-time high? It's just noisy. Moms, dads, don't we appreciate just a, a moment of peace and quiet? You just, sometimes you, you, you shut the door and you lock the door. Kids are banging on that door. You're like, listen, I, I don't know who you are. Why are these kids calling me dad? Why are they calling me mom? You know, you just need just a, a moment of silence. When you're a parent, you understand that having kids, it just raises the noise factor. In fact, when, when Rachel and I, you know, years ago when our kids were smaller, we would love to sit in these sit in our chair. I got my favorite chair I love to sit in. And so we were in the living room sitting in our chairs. And Rachel, she leaned over and she said, babe, do you hear that? I said, no. She said, exactly. Kids are quiet. We better check on them. How many know that when the kids are quiet, that means they're up to something? Hello, hello. Okay. Make the connection here. When God seems to be quiet, I'm telling you this, he's up to something. You may not be able to see it. You may not be able to hear it. You may feel like nothing's going on. But there may not be anything happening in the physical, but I'm telling you, in the spirit realm, God is always doing more than you think he is. Some of you are here today, and it feels like things are just silent. God, I've prayed. I've talked to you. I'm not hearing anything. Be encouraged. God is on the move. God's trying to show you something about you. Uh, w- w- what I'm learning is sometimes I have a tendency in a quiet season, in a waiting season, when I don't feel anything happening in my life, I'm looking at somebody else's life and I'm checking them out. I'm looking at all the things that God's doing in somebody else, I mean, all the ways that He's blessing those around me. Come on, is anybody else here with me today? Man, you're checking Instagram and looking at Facebook and through social media, it just seems like God is moving in everybody else's life. And you're thinking, man, what is wrong with me? Well, here's the danger with that. If you're in a waiting season, the temptation is to compare your process, compare your season to somebody else's. And when I get my eyes on somebody else, I can't see what God's wanting to do inside of me. There's a gift inside of you that God wants you to identify, and he wants you to develop. David was a talented harp player. Interesting to me how he had no heroics on the battlefield. He wasn't some mighty general or a king, but yet God was doing something in the private moments of his life that created a kingdom opportunity. If you're in a waiting season, use this time to discover The gift God has placed in you. And then when you discover what that is, begin to grow it. Begin to develop it. Because God is always doing more than you think he is. Don't underestimate the value of preparation. Everybody say preparation. See, really, what's happening in a waiting season, that's simply preparation for what's to come. Uh, You may not like the season that you're in right now, but if you'll embrace it, And you'll learn what God's trying to teach you in it. It will equip you for what's next. I mean, consider Jesus, okay? Now, think about it. I'm going to ask you a little uh, Bible colleges for all of you scholars, you theologians out there. I'll ask you a couple questions. How old was Jesus when he launched his earthly ministry? 30 30 years old. How many said 30? How many didn't say anything because you didn't know? (laughs) Okay, now you know. 30 years old. Okay, in John chapter 2, the wedding at Cana, when he turned the water into wine, that was the initial mark of his earthly ministry. 30 years old. Think about it. Why did Jesus wait 30 years to say hello? Question 2. How old was Jesus when he died? 33. How many got that one right? Okay. if he's, He waits 30 years. Okay, watch this. this. This is staggering when you consider it. Why would Jesus wait 30 years for a three-year assignment. It tells us something about the value of preparation. Here's what I begin to discover, that alignment comes before assignment. Alignment. There's some things that have to be put in place first. Don't underestimate the value of preparation. Jesus, I mean, if anybody could have been an overnight success, it was Jesus, He lacked very little. I mean, he is the son of God. He's the power of heaven wrapped up in flesh. Yet 30 years before Jesus begins his earthly ministry, and he only pastors, ministers, serves, teaches, preaches, does miracles for three years. Yet in those three years, our world has still not recovered from everything that he's done. Do you see the power of preparation? And when things seem to be quiet, oh, please know, God is up to something. He wants you to discover something that he's deposited in you, and he wants you to develop that. Can I have a good amen? Notice this. The Bible says not only was he a talented harp player, but the Scripture says he was a brave warrior and a man of war. Number two, I want you to write this down. Here's what you do in a waiting season. Not only do you discover and develop your gifts, but number two, you can grow in courage. He was a man of war. He was brave. Now, let me ask you this question. How did they know he was a warrior? David had never publicly fought in a battle. This is before Goliath. But why would Saul's servants say that he was a brave warrior? He was a man of war. Remember remember when, when David was standing before Saul, Goliath was on the battlefield. Do you remember what David told him? David said, Listen, I know I may only look like a boy, but I can remember one day when I was tending my father's sheep, and a lion came out of nowhere, and I grabbed that lion by the throat and I clubbed him to death. How many of you know it takes courage to do that? And then I remember that time, you know, that time, there was a bear that did the same thing, and I did the same thing to the lion, the same thing to the bear. You know what? That giant is nothing. I'll tell you what, David was fighting battles. That Nobody knew and some of you in here are fighting private battles personal battles You're struggling through things. There's stuff coming against you that nobody knows about. You're not making any announcements But you know what God is doing in you as you fight those battles and you face those obstacles? He's growing courage inside of your soul And here's what I've discovered if you're gonna pursue your calling You're gonna have to have courage you can't pursue a great calling and not have courage. Through those battles, through those trials, and through those struggles, David was developing something. He had a private history with God. Now, listen, we all talk about his exploits on the battlefield, but it was the sheep field that prepared him and got him ready. Can I have a better amen? He didn't even realize at the time, I'm just tending my father's sheep. He had one experience after another, and God was making a man out of him. Oh, this is so good. You know what I thought about? And this this may sound a little crazy. It's kind of old school, and I'm going to date myself when I tell you this. But do you remember the original 1984 movie, The Karate Kid? You're like, yes, my favorite. Some of you just woke up in church, man. Now I know that there's kind of been some, you know, part twos, maybe part threes. I'm not talking about that recent stuff. I'm talking about old school, original Mr. Miyagi. Come on, remember that? And and and, and what was his name? Daniel. Daniel son. Daniel son. Me big grasshopper. You little grasshopper. And and and, and you remember? You know, uh, Daniel was so set on learning how to fight. And so he seeks the help of this 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 master, this 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 warrior, this this man of wisdom and experience. And he says, Mr. Miyagi, teach me how to fight. And so for like the first month, Daniel goes through what? He's doing all kinds of chores. He goes over thinking that he's learning how to train for battle, but what's he having to do? Wax on, wax off. Come on, how many members of that? You know you want to do it right now. Come on, just take a moment. Relive it, 80s forever, wax on, wax off. Come on, some of you stuck in the 80s. Come on, I love it. So he's waxing the car. He's got to wax on. Well, wait, I came here to train. No, no, no. Wax on, wax, on, wax off. And then, whoa, whoa. So come back the next day. So comes back the next day. What's he got to do? Paint the fence. Come on, you remember that? Paint the a And there's a certain, there's a certain way... To, to, is, and and well, wait, I'm, I'm, you're supposed to teach me how to fight. I wax the car, paint the fence, come back the next day. Comes back the next day, what's he got to do? Is it like scrubbing the floors or what is it? Sand. Sand, yeah, yeah, see, that's it. You know it. Sand the floors. Sand the floor. We waxing, we sanding, we painting. And I, that, that classic epic moment in the, in the movie. We're finally, Daniel's had enough, and he's about to quit. And so he tells Mr. Miyagi, I'm tired of being your slave. I've come here to train, to learn how to fight, and all I'm, I'm just a little errand boy doing everything that you want me to do, and I haven't learned a single thing. And then what does Mr. Miyagi do? He helps Daniel connect the dots. He puts it all together. Then we start waxing. We start painting. We start scrubbing. I hope I didn't spit my pants. <laughs> wow. Pulled a hammy right there. Whew. Finally, he put it all together and realized, wait a second. What I thought was just the average, ordinary chore I didn't realize that I was learning to become a man of war in the process. Come on, are you catching this? You see, what you're doing now, well, I feel the Holy Ghost. What you're doing now, it may not make any sense to you, but it makes perfect sense in the kingdom. And if you'll just continue to be faithful in the season that God has placed you, discover what God's developing inside of you, but grow in your courage because as we pursue this calling, It's going to require all the courage you can muster and a little oxygen to go with it too. (sighs) Look at what it says here. I need a little oxygen tank over here. Increase my cardio, my workout. So not only do you need to discover and develop your gifts, he's a talented harp player. The Bible says that he was a brave warrior, man of work. Grow in courage. Grow in courage. The third thing the scripture tells us is this that, that David was a man of good judgment. He had good judgment. The third thing, write this down. Number three, here's what to do in a waiting season: walk in wisdom. Walk in wisdom. There's something about faithfully walking through a waiting season. Maybe it's a difficult season, but it develops character in you. God is 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 growing character, which produces strength. Think about the wisdom that you gain through life experience. Now, listen, I'm all about passion and ambition, enthusiasm and excitement. But there's something to be said for life experience that teaches you something that passion and enthusiasm and excitement never could. You know, if God, consider this, if God gave you everything you asked for, when you asked for it, your life would be a mess. Come on now, help me this morning. Yeah, and, and, and thank God out of his love and his mercy, he doesn't always give us what we want when we want it. I mean, consider, you know, if, if God gave me what I thought I was ready for and when I asked for it, it would crush me. Now, now, we serve a loving Heavenly Father who doesn't want to withhold any good thing. Psalm 8411, the Bible says, God will not withhold any good thing from those who do what's right. God's not trying to keep anything from you. But a lot of this has to do with your maturity and development along the way and what you're ready for. Consider this. As good as that thing may be that you're asking God for, if you're not ready, if you don't have the wisdom to be able to steward that, then that blessing becomes a curse. Come on now, are you with me? I mean, think about my son's nine years old and, he, and if he says, Dad, I really want to drive. Man, you don't love me if you don't give me the keys to the car. How many of you know, if I were to turn the keys over to him, that's the worst thing that could ever happen to him? Same thing. God's not ready to give you the keys until you first have enough wisdom to be able to steward the opportunity that's in front of you. I think about the people that have won the lottery. Have you seen stories, some of these documentaries on... On those that have won millions of dollars. How, how many think that'd be a great day if you won the lottery? Okay, you win the lottery, I'm just saying, I'm not saying whether or not you should play, but if you win that lottery, I can help you figure out the tithe. All I'm saying, we can figure out that 10%, baby. Lord Jesus. Yes, Lord. I, I can figure out 10% of $100 million, all right? But think about it. I, I've seen these stories of men and women that have, have won the lottery, and they think that's the greatest day of their life. And all of a sudden, they have a whole new set of friends. Everybody's related to them now. Everybody loves them. Man, it's amazing. They got money. They got opportunity. Man, it's incredible. But if they don't have wisdom, that 100 million, bazillion, quadrillion dollars, whatever that amount is, that would be. And they've, they've, they've done these stories and documentaries. And after the fact, the individual says, you know what? The day I won the lottery was the worst day of my life. I wish it would never happen. See, listen. Sometimes you go through a season that you, you don't like. And waiting happens to be one of those seasons. Instead of looking for an exit, look for the lesson. God, what is it? Okay, I, I don't see a lot of things happening around me. What is it that you're doing in me? God, what is it that you're growing? The, the, the courage that I'm going to need for what's next. But Lord, if I don't have wisdom to steward this opportunity then what was supposed to bless me will end up crushing me. David, he was a talented harp player. He had discovered and developed a skill set. The Scripture says that he was a brave warrior, a man of war, had courage, but he walked in wisdom. There was good judgment. He had the ability to make wise choices. Tell you this, this is why the story of David is, to me, it's so powerful when it comes to seasons because we can see a season in David's life where he was hidden in a valley, but we can also see when he was king of a nation. Can I tell you this? Hidden valleys turn shepherd boys into kings. Some of you feel like you have the call of a king, uh, that you've got a leadership mantle on your life. There's a process that God wants you to walk through to get you ready. Can I have a good amen? amen. Look at this next thing. Not only did he have good judgment, but the scripture says this. He is also a fine-looking young man. Turn to your neighbor and say, he was good-looking. <laughs> How many know any good-looking people up in here? How many know any good-looking pastors up in here? (laughs) Come on, can I have a good amen? Come on, I can't hear you, baby. (laughs) You better shout me down on this one. You're a hunk of hunk of burning love right here. (laughs) Now, when we say good-looking, let me say this. Uh, Here's the the practical application. I'm not necessarily talking about in physical appearance, but I'll tell you this. Number four, take care of yourself. Take care care of you. There was something attractive about David's life. Okay, and I'm not just talking about good looks. Oh, he's fine. Oh, she's incredible. She's amazing. Woo, hottie. No, no. I'm talking about something now in the spirit. If you'll do a thing called personal disciplines, take care of yourself. One of the most attractive qualities of an individual is the discipline that they carry. Personal disciplines, practical disciplines, spiritual disciplines, consistently in the word, in the house of God. You know, time spent in worship and prayer. If you have spiritual disciplines, I'm going to tell you what, like a magnet, people will be drawn to you. Now, There are no great secrets in life, only daily disciplines. See, everybody's looking for the latest, greatest secret. Let me run to this conference or let me get this information or tell me three things that will get me out of this season. And God may be saying, no, no, just take it personal disciplines physically take care of yourself you know pay attention to to your eating habits and you know pay attention to your exercise levels and the opportunities that that you have to rest the body the bible says that our body is the temple of the holy spirit you know it's a stewardship responsibility we have over our bodies I remember hearing recently a, a guy say that he was trying to lose weight, and so a man came to him and said, Listen, here's, here's a great uh, weight loss plan. What you do is for breakfast every morning, you eat like a king. For lunch, you eat like a prince. And then for dinner at night, you eat like a pauper. How many heard that before? So, if you do this, eat like a king for breakfast, a prince for lunch, and a pauper for dinner. You do that for a couple months. I'm telling you, it's going to be fantastic. You're going to lose the weight you're looking to lose. Two months go by, and so the guy comes to him and says, Hey, how how are you doing in the process? He said, Well, you know, I've kind of been struggling. He said, I listen to what you say, and every breakfast I've been eating like a king. Lunch rolls around, I eat like a prince. And and then at dinner time at night, I'm eating like a pauper. But right before I go to bed, I hear a little voice whisper, Long live the king! How many heard that voice a few times yourself? (laughs) Long live the king. I struggle to do it because I'm listening to voices. I'm going to tell you what. Personal disciplines will enable you to do what willpower and ability can never achieve. If you'll embrace disciplines personally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, in your relationships, one of the most attractive things. The Scripture says David was good-looking. There was something about his life that was pleasing. And I pray that when God looks at you, when he looks at me, when he looks at us as a church, he sees, you know what? This is a church that's walking in wisdom and embracing personal disciplines. This is a church that's positioned well to be used by the Lord. I'm telling you, kingdom opportunities, kingdom uh, 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 impact through just daily disciplines of doing the right thing. But here, let, let me finish this, the last portion of this verse. The Bible says not only did he have good judgment, but it finishes by saying this. The Bible says, and the Lord was with him. Here's what I want you to know, because some of you are in a waiting season right now, and you don't see a lot of things happening. And you're trying to discover and develop what that is that, God, what are you doing inside of me? Please know this. If you're waiting, just like the scripture here says, the Bible says that the Lord was with David. Please know this. God is waiting with you. You may be waiting, but you're not waiting alone. Well, I I feel like God has overlooked me. I feel like God has forgotten about me. I'm not sure God even sees or cares or knows. No, 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 no. Listen to me. He does. There's a reason for this season. You know, this whole series is called Now and Forever. Let me tell you this. Now is not forever. Okay? Some of you don't like what you're seeing now. Well, let me encourage you. Now is not forever. God is waiting with you, and he's doing something in you. You're not alone. You see, everybody likes to see the finished product, but they don't really appreciate the process you have to go through to get there. He is a God of the process. You know, I considered a season in my life here at this church that I felt like I was in a holding pattern. I remember Pastor Dino came to me and said, listen, would you, I was a youth pastor, college, young adult pastor, very involved in the teaching rotation. Man, I, I enjoyed pastoring and being involved in students and young people. Pastor Dino came to me and said, listen, would you consider being the missions pastor here? That's what we need at the church. We need somebody to head up missions. And I thought, man, I, I, don't, I didn't necessarily feel like I was a missionary. I'd never even been out of the country. You know, and yet to, to head up missions, I felt totally ill-equipped. I felt in way over my head. But if that's what the need was and that's what my pastor was asking of me, I was going to do it. It wasn't necessarily something I, I wanted to do, but I was willing. How many of you know there's a difference? Not necessarily want to, but willing. I think God looks for willingness. And so I said, okay. And it, it required me to be gone a lot. I was gone, I mean weeks at a time, I was uh, out of the country, around the world in, in different cultures, different customs, different languages, everything was just different and i didn 't feel very effective at all. In fact, there were times where i wasn 't here for, for weeks at a time. I can remember coming to church you know on a Sunday and people would be like, Pastor Mike, where you been? You know, I mean, do you need to fill out a get connected card? Are you a first time guest I mean We've got a Next Steps lunch for you to go to. And I just felt a little disconnected. You know what I'm talking about? I didn't feel like in the flow. I wasn't teaching. I wasn't preaching. know, I was traveling a lot. And you know, two weeks ago, I was digging through some, some old uh, journals. And I came across this missions journal that I had picked up in Sri Lanka years ago. In fact, it was back in 2002. And it, this journal was actually made of elephant poop. Elephant dung. I mean, the the cover, the pages. I thought it was so unique. I picked it up in Sri Lanka. I said, you know what? This is going to be my mission's journal. And I went back and I started reading some of the things that I had had written. Yeah, that I was reading some of the things that I had written in that season of my life and the things that God was doing and my heart before the Lord. And though I felt ill-equipped, I felt totally overwhelmed. I knew I was right where I was supposed to be. And the Sri Lanka crusade, 250,000 people show up at this crusade. And tens of thousands say yes to Jesus. And travels to, to Africa and, and to India, all across Europe and Asia. And I thought, what am I doing in this part of the world? Didn't understand that season in my life. But you know what God was doing in me then? God was giving me a vision for the world. He knew. That if I was going to be pastor of this church and move us into the next season, I couldn't do it with a small vision. I had to see, I had to experience, God had to stretch my heart to give me a vision that was large enough to match the mandate that's on this house. A healing place for a hurting world. Does that make sense? Now, I didn't understand it then, and I I was frustrated. In all honesty, I was frustrated. Listen, other people, they may see the glory, but they don't know the story. Come on now. And so God, I didn't understand it at the time, but looking back at it, I'm so thankful for it. And that waiting time was not wasted time because God was doing something all the time.
1: Thank you for listening.
0: For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.